Sliding out of the cult-ridden subterranean tangle of the Underhive, we are the spark lost among the transistors of history, the light which holds back all that darkness, the true voice of Vox Free Innsmouth, 665.66 UHMR Kemrat Radio. And no matter how soothing y'all might find Gabo's pipes, and I don't know what you might be smoking on that front, but the weather's actually quite pleasant in the hive for once. Nice, even, perfect weather with the sight of blood-curdling screams. I guess that kind of depends on where you're standing or how you walked here. On my way, I got caught in a little bit of a blood drizzle. The administratum and Arbides have deemed it convenient to dabble in underhive life once again, although this time it's hard to blame them with all these demon dogs running amok. Nothing a few hexagramic rounds won't solve. Reports of hellhounds seem to be restricted to the stacked districts around the thermal core, so don't try and cut through the core on foot, at least, uh, for the you for you uh, you know brave hivers. Stick to the shield wall districts, and you should be fine. I did happen to see one once eating a uh, nutty Jay's head, so I didn't really give a shit. Save my bullets. Who are you giving head? <laughs> oh, that was hey. actually well done. Well done. I can't even argue with that. And speaking of slobbering on fresh meat, <laughs> we are. <laughs> it's too fucking perfect. Why did you? Yeah, have to well lose played. It? Well played. Why did that's you? That's why I said it. I was like, I can't even. I got nothing to come back with on that one. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's what you were gonna <laughs> say <laughs> next, dude. <laughs> oh fuck. We are here at Bob's Basement Basket, moderating the newest episode of the hit pick show, Hell's Chosen. Tune in to see Zygonia's own Lavinia take on the Zerker's prime brawler, Mastodon. Let's see which of these two beasts in their own industries can claim the title of Scorpion Pepper Dimacarin Wing Challenge. I don't know, man. She's 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 taking on an Ogryn. I don't know if she's going to out-eat him. That's all I'm saying. That's a lot of mouth. Meat. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I am your solid beacon in the peerless depths of the shadow-consumed Underhive Goblin King, joined always by my partners in Vox-based criminality, the power-mauled juggler himself, Marky. What it is, people? It's ball juggler. Ball, uh, that, oh, did I misspell? Pa- power ball juggler. Ball juggler. <laughs> Keeping our magazines fully stocked in the most recent hexagrammatic rounds, the Baron of Gunpowder himself, Beast. I prefer testicular taster, thank you. (laughs) You are an expert on taste when it comes to nuts. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And recently returned from his own infiltration trip deep into the cult of three arms, Kev. Kev, tell us, do the girls only have three arms or do they have three of other things? Well... What I can tell you is that a Dutch rudder is definitely, definitely different. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to take the Dutch's word for it, I guess. With three arms, it would be more of a Dutch outboard. She's got an outrigger. <sighs> All right, we guys. That one, we call that extra hand the spinnaker. The spinnaker. <laughs> I figured that was the slippery salmon. Uh, <laughs> so this is part one of our coverage on Gene Steeler cults. While we focus very heavily on the GSC for this series, at times we are going to definitely need to dip into Tyranid lore, 
just a bit so we can flesh out and explain certain characteristics of the gene stealers based on pretty much how closely these two factions are linked. So, to kick it off and get into the meat of our episode... On the darkly glorious day of the gene stealer cult's uprising, its warriors are already ten steps ahead of the enemy. Fast-moving saboteurs have shattered the supply lines of those who would oppose them. Hidden agents have assassinated key commanders and routes of escape that have been cut off by demolition crews and industrial mining teams. The foe finds their ammunition crates empty, their fuel reserves dry, their transportation craft hijacked, and their supporting fleet holed and listed in orbit. When the cult unleashes the abhorrent alien monstrosities that act as its shock troops, the enemy is already surrounded, stranded, and ripe for slaughter, long planned. So as we have with the last few lore-based series where we dive deep into a faction, we are going to do an overview of the faction. Then we'll dip a little bit into the history and culture of the Gene Stealer cults. Then we will jump into some of the technology and how they might use it on the battlefield. Before we finally wrap it all up with some ideas on how to make your own lore that fits in with a faction as how it plays on tabletop. Tabletop. Like always, we'll pretty much try to shy away from as much rule-specific stuff as we can, although we will kind of stray into the general tactics, since a lot of times the tactics of an army do factor into the culture of their faction, or their culture as a faction dictates some of the tactics that you see in play. Yeah, basically generalizing how the, how the army should or does play. Yeah. The humble soul shall inherit the stars. Only he sees the glory in spurning individual power to become one of many. Let the fool and the heathen scramble in the embers of war for personal gain. We shall rise above the flames as a flock of phoenixes reborn. A host of angels recast in the image of the true rulers of this galaxy. A pent poly of gods to whom nothing is considered beyond our reach. That was so good. That was the Magus incumbent Darahaga Trendact. That's what I'm going with. Uh, (laughs) Tom, did you you have to remove because of the shrill or because of the laughs? I was like, is Tom going to laugh at me? (laughs) No, they were both dying. I I was just like, perfect. I couldn't was, handle it. I do really bad with high-pitched voices like that. I was like, oh. Dude, that was extremely respectable. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> no, that was 10 of 10. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't have done it better. <laughs> I wish I could do voices, too. I'm just try, going to try man. a little bit more. So, just, our, like, spend a whole evening with an accent one yeah. time and see how it goes. That's the problem. I don't. <laughs> dick, yeah, you got you to dick around and, like, voice chat. Well, you were born with one. Well, yeah. I did that with, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to come up with, like, a Cardon character. Mm. So I was oh, trying yeah. to do that with how they would talk with, like, shark teeth. They don't talk? No, but when they do. <laughs> you shouldn't. It, it's really easy to, like, do them, though, because, like, every once in a while you're like, mm, fuck. They're not. 
It's just Geralt with, with yeah, teeth. Yeah, like, they're not Geralt. Geralt with more teeth. You gotta like put shit more in your teeth. mouth and try to yeah, talk yeah. around yeah, it. Yeah, say like you need more. You need more tooth. <laughs> more teeth. Fuck. Fuck. I put a. Back. I had to put a base in my mouth for that. You guys are welcome. No, you gotta, you gotta underbite it. You gotta go. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. Eh. fuck. Go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to dive right into Xenos, the Xenos worshippers. So, gene stealers were first encountered on the moons of Yamagral and were assumed to be a unique species. This first encounter happened in roughly 500.m41, which would be about 200 years before High Fleet Bahamut invaded the uh, galaxy. Yeah, the, the first time I read that, I was like, they were first encountered on girl. I like that. Girl, I remember you saying that. I was like, girl. I like girl. Get her jeans stolen. Was it? Girl, I like your bald ass head. <laughs> girl. Wow, girl, let me steal that's them some, jeans. That's that's some raisins right there. A jeans that sack. Play with A gene stealer is a bioform of the Tyranids, designed for stealth and infiltration, specifically of other intelligent species settled worlds. Pure stain genes. Pure strain, not pure stain. That's different. Pure strain gene stealers are bipedal six-limbed xenos forms covered in armored exoskeletons. Their lower limbs are reverse-jointed or digigrade, ending in three-toed clawed feet that sprout a fourth dewclaw or talon. These allow them to move at lightning speeds and leap great distances. They're, they're very, very good at closing with their enemy as quickly as possible. Their upper set of four limbs are split into two distinct their upper sets of four limbs are split into two distinct functions. The foremost end in razor sharp arrangements of three claws, although in some cases these can fuse into one razor sharp blade like claw or even turn into lashing tentacles. Their lower set of four limbs ends in gnarled hands, allowing them to manipulate objects climb, and even operate simple devices, devices like touchpads, door handles, or even disabling maglocks. Mm, Both of the clawed... Clever girl. Clever girl. (laughs) Both of the clawed upper limbs and hand-like lower limbs have a thumb, which allows them to either snip through ceramite-like scissors or manipulate things that they find. But as a quick note, the number of claws or digits on any of their hands can actually change by um, uh, bio. Not, I wanted to say strain. Strain's not the right word. Essentially by planet. You know, if they take over a certain species or if they take over a certain culture, they might have more or less fingers. Another thing to note is that a lot like the Xenomorph in the Alien franchise, a lot of times on their manipulator hands, two of their fingers will be kind of fused or joined together. They've got that yeah, kind I noticed, of... I noticed that in a lot of the pictures. It almost looks like if you were going to do the Spock, but yeah. at the end of your fingertips, it was fused together. So it's like how, like your knuckles, like one you got like two and two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'd be a mean hand job. They're definitely very based on the alien. And, and we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that as we go along. Gene stealer heads are bulbous and house a disproportionately large brain for such a single-minded killer. 
Its jaws are filled with razor-sharp needle teeth designed to rip and shred, and like most other tyranids, they do not possess molars. So they are not grinding any of their food. They are ripping it apart and sucking it the fuck down. Their heads are often also protected by exoskeleton carapace crests. They've basically got this, like, ridge towards their eyes that extends back a little bit, and then the backs of their heads are soft. Or, or more soft. They're like leathery. Like uh, Mars Attacks, you know, like when they're little nah, brains. Nah, are, nah, 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 nah. Like <laughs> you slap it and it's like a it's like an ass almost, you know, kind of jiggles. <laughs> it jiggles. <laughs> they possess an internal skeleton as well as an external exoskeleton carapace. Their armored carapace acts as a primary layer of armor, a lot like heavy plate. While the sinuous muscle fibers and leathery skin just below are most easily compared to standard imperial flak armor as far as its durability is concerned. So they're just naturally armored the fuck up. Their armor and internal skeleton will thicken based on their body mass. So a gene stealer strain that has infected an orcoid host will be bigger but slower while a gene stealer strain that has infected an Eldari host will be slimmer and much faster. In isolation, they are typically blue, indigo in coloration with darker tones on their armored exoskeletons and more purplish coloration on their leathery heads and limbs. So that very, very stereotypical Space Hulk color scheme is what they revert to when they're either isolated or when they're cut off from their hive fleets. Which I thought was which I did not know. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I thought it was a per high fleet kind of thing, but that's pretty interesting. Yeah. This is the most common coloration when encountered on a space hulk and also to the moons of Yamagral. Mm, the moons of Yamagral. My my girl? Okay. Girl, <laughs> the Yums of Yamagral are also notable for being one of the places that the tentacled variant can be encountered. When encountered when Gene stealers are encountered as part of a hive fleet. They will take on the hive fleet or splinters distinct coloration. So if they're in a hive fleet or if they're attached to a hive fleet, they'll have that hive fleet's coloration. So since I'm sure Marky wants to know, go, go on about the tentacle variant. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> hive fleet based gene stealers center around an alpha predator known as a broodlord. This is distinctly different from a patriarch. A patriarch's brood mind is encompassed by all the members of a gene stealer cult, and that gene stealer cult can number in the tens of thousands to millions, if not higher. A brood lord's brood mind is limited to the size of its own pack. So, in theory, a brood lord is much less psychically potent because he's only got 20 ish minds, maybe 40 ish minds in his. Broodmind, and it's broodmind, I should stop saying his, as to where a patriarch is going to have a much larger ability and a much wider variation and be stronger because of it, because it's able to tap into millions, if not more, at once. Yeah, essentially a whole whole hive colony. Or planet. Or planet. When a gene stealer pack is cut off from its hive fleet, they will evolve into their peer strain form, their life cycle becoming optimized around infecting new hosts once they find a viable feeding ground. Unlike some other bioforms, gene stealers do consume food and are capable of reproduction, which is one of the big differences that marks them out as kind of being separate from tyranids as a whole. However, 
Most tyranids do sport an open circulatory system with hemomolyphin flooding their inner uh, cellular chambers, a system which is packed with phage cells. This replaces the standard digestive system that we understand as bipedal mammals. This is something that smaller insects do. They don't necessarily have a digestive tract. They just, everything inside their exoskeleton digests stuff. Um, in most tyranid bioforms, that digested stuff sits there until they feed themselves into digestional pools and then are taken to the capillary towers back up to the high fleet. So the, the tyranid itself, a carnifex, for instance, might eat several hundred guardsmen and then go back to one of these digestible pools throw itself willingly into the acid, be dissolved, and then feed the hive mind. Gene stealers don't baby. Yeah. Gene stealers don't necessarily do that though. Well, because gene stealers, well, they also do that when the when the hive mind eventually links back up with them, uh, as I'm sure we'll get into later, but they also are able to function without the presence of the rest of the hive fleet. as a a solo, which would require them to then process some of their own nutrients and things like that. Because a normal tyranid isn't expected to ever survive. They're not expected to, but this, like, backup system of digestion does allow bioforms that are abandoned or lost to survive by consuming food. Um, Do all bioforms have this? Even though it's not a traditional digestive system. So it's not a traditional digestive system. It is a, like, redundant digestive system so if they're cut off from the hive fleet for an an amount of time they can survive and it will kick in and this is also why like an abandoned finds a way yeah exactly (laughs) this is also why like an abandoned carnifex on the planet of catachan could several hundred generations later have evolved into the catachan devil and stuff like that right However, gene stealers often also possess the remains of their host's species, organs, and internal systems, as well as having a a vestigial digestive system with some variants even continuing to have standard stomachs. It's important to note that we talk about the tyranids as being a single race, but the tyranids are a mixture of all of the things that the tyranid race has found advantageous so in a lot of ways, the Tyranids are a mix of races, not one alien race. Take all these races, put them in a blender, and scoop up the good bits. Right? Pretty much. So Xenobiology... It's, it's like the Borg. Yes, in a lot of ways. It's just... It's okay. very much the same concept as the Borg, where well, the Borg are the your same cultural... The Tyranids. That's, I yeah. mean, chicken egg there. <laughs> when, but, when, Tyranids, um, when Tyranids encounter something that is advantageous to their evolution, they will... They will incorporate their biological it into their distinctiveness biomass. will be added to their own. Yeah, so it's it's very likely that gene stealers were their own alien species at one point, and the Tyranids were like, "Oh, this is really useful," and they kept let's, that. Let's pattern. make more of these. Hmm, that's actually kind of an and interesting that, concept. That doesn't super surprise me, considering that there's like mm-hmm. a bunch of really like whack ways that animals breed. Oh yeah, and then. <laughs> You and know, t- t- uh, gene stealers, and that's just on a whack way, <laughs> right? But like the way that gene stealers breed almost doesn't even like wouldn't surprise me if there was like a deep sea slug that did the same thing, yeah. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all because there's weird, like, I mean, I just learned today how puffer fish like breed huh. and that the males essentially just get absorbed into the female. Oh, yeah. Um, what uh, anglerfish yeah. do what? that too. 
angler or, yeah maybe it was angler fish i don't remember one of the one so of these the man- weird creepy sea, sea things is the scientists could only find females and they're like what the fuck and then they put it under a microscope and they found out that the males are basically just like yeah they're really small and they and start they out a little attach. bigger but they basically just absorb yeah into the side of the female they start mm, sucking. Yeah. They they start like pilot fish sucking on the side of the female, and as more time goes on, the female's body starts to um, absorb like, them. Absorb them. Her. What the fuck? Yeah, and yeah. like knowing that there's creatures that do that, like gene stealers, don't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> gene, like, gene oh stealers, yeah, that's totally viable. <laughs> gene stealers are like actually a, like bot flies, but like yeah. the the host is actually being controlled by the fly instead of in a way just yeah. being using it as a host to be born yeah yeah gene stealers have a lot of reproduction reproductive systems that are very very similar to um in uh, like wasps and flies and stuff like like uh, insects like that we'll get we'll get it's into kinda that it's kind of like a, a minute. the tarantula hawk wasp mm. in a way it plants its babies yeah yeah, yeah. But instead, it's implant, implanting. Well, there's like a there's DNA. actually yeah. um, instead of eggies, instead, instead of eggs, it's a DNA like almost like a virus that recodes the host. There's a bacteria found in cat feces yeah. that when a rat eats it, uh, it grows inside of the rat brain and seeks out. Cats, yeah, it makes, like it makes the rat out. like cats or whatever. Oh, yeah, it makes it the like, rat go do dumb shit to uh, get itself uh, eaten. To get eaten. Yeah. And, and oddly enough, it's, kind of, it's similar to the way that cordyceps possesses ants. Yeah. It, it's not fungus? exactly the same. The fungus thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the, the thing brain fungus. Yeah. Yeah. So that um, they actually just did more research, and turns out it doesn't infect the brain, which is really funny because that's what everybody thought it does. But it turns out that it actually extends into the muscles themselves. And possesses the muscles via direct, like puppeteering, almost. Damn. Th- rather than going to your brain and then poking your brain to make the brain whatever. send the, the and, signal and, itself. And here's something that'll freak you out, maybe even a little bit more, Marky, since you just made this connection. The bacterium that Tom's talking about, the beast is talking about, can also mm-hmm. infect humans, which is why certain people collect lots of fucking cats. Crazy cat ladies. So no that's way. yeah. So yeah, that that's, that's speculative. Thing. That is speculative. But yeah, that's kind of the <laughs> what, example. What, what do we say in use. podcast? Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. 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 Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, that could almost lead to like ancient Egyptian culture where yeah. they like. Well, but that's so. If you think of like you know how people, cat shit and cat piss is so potent. Yeah. But there are people that yeah. don't smell it. Right. Yeah. It's they that that's because of that bacteria. That, like I like that you brought up. Yeah, Facebook. my re- I was just <laughs> don't say it too loud. But that, yeah, that brings up Chop that brings that. up one of my <laughs> one of my old favorite jokes about ancient Egypt. I, I, and this was this was a while ago, but it's kind of funny because it actually it's stands just up a giant right cat box. No, 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 no. Ancient Egypt was the original <laughs> designers of Facebook because they put their faces up on a wall, and then <laughs> eventually they just started covering those walls with pictures of cats. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> so to get back onto Gene stealers. Xenobiologists understand that gene stealers are able to change rapidly even with inside a single generation. So they're, they're capable of rapid mutation. With the difference between broods or generations showing significant leaps. So if a generation of pure strain, pure strain gene stealers on a space hulk encounters Deathwing Terminators their next generation may specifically evolve the the forward sithing blades to go through ceramite faster and better. Um, the 
<laughs> the, the my girl. What do you what do you say? You screwed me up mm, with your mm, bad girl, pronunciation, mm, girl. Mm, girl. The mm, girl. the gene stealers are unique as they possess the ability to alter their own flesh to react to incoming attacks, as well as changing their coloration like a chameleon. So they're able to do it in real time. Damn. So they're almost like like lictors, like death leapers, almost a, a little bit. So these gene stealers exploited exploited a large sentient leech-like creature called a scythe or a Sith, a a Kasith. It's a C and then the word Sith. 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 (laughs) By using this population as hosts, they developed a more inhuman appearance. Also notably, a Sith host always produces natural Yamagral gene stealers, no matter what parentage of the previous generation. It's also these guys that are known to generate the tentacles more often. So the tentacle-faced gene stealer, as well as the tentacled arm variant. Mm. The Imperium, I have been wondering about them. The tentacle ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tentacle ones. They're, they're neat. Yeah, well, we uh, playing Deathwing. I was always like, I don't remember seeing these motherfuckers. You know, I was like, that Cthulhu-looking motherfucker. You know, yeah. like, a lot yeah. of people don't use the heads. I actually really like the heads, so I, I've like sought them out to put them on more of my gene stealers. But a lot of people yeah, like really the cool. acid maw heads because the acid maw gives you an extra uh, attack, but you can only take one per five. So I don't understand why people put like 12 of them in a fucking brood. Anyway, um, look cool. That's true. The Imperium originally thought that gene stealers were a semi-intelligent race having evolved on the moons of Yamagral itself, seeing the Yamagral variant as the standard for the entire race. However, as more incursions took place, it became obvious that, to the Ordo Xenos that they were just the vanguard organism of the Tyranid Hive fleets. They are now classified as a subservient or servient bioform to the Tyranids. Gene stealers act as infiltrators and vanguards, a single bioform as single bioforms or isolated packs hitching a ride on space hulks or stowing away as a single predator on an unwary passenger ship, ready to infiltrate a hive city and start a new cult. So as you guys kind of guessed, or, or as we will probably continue to hear, gene stealers and tyranids are pretty heavily intertwined until it gets to the aspect of this infiltration and infection cycle. This is where shit gets pretty deep into body horror, and it's pretty easy to link a lot of aspects of the gene stealers and their cults to the Alien movie franchise. From here on out, this episode is going to enter into a so-called gold star territory. I, I don't know, guys. A gold star is like the, the standard. Shit's going to get real, real specific and kind of creepy and a little uneasy to talk about. But we're a 40K-themed podcast, so we need something better than gold star. What, like gold rosette? <laughs> this is gold rosette territory. <laughs> what are we going to name it? Give me some names, guys. I don't understand the reference. So gold star is, you're going to get a gold star for listening to all of the, uh, man. So the reference is, uh, do, do you know the, the, um, the tapes red asphalt that they would show in like driving courses? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sitting through one of those is a gold star achievement. You get a gold star. You sat through that horrible shit. <laughs> no. No, you not. You what? don't know what I'm talking about? Or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so so red red asphalt was a bunch of footage of drunk driving accidents that they showed to teenagers that were like literally like. By the way, if you guys didn't get the trigger warning that I alluded to at Gold Star, major right here. 
where like people would go and scoop brains of dead oh, teenagers yeah. Yeah, up with that. like spoons to put them in bags. Oh, it was like a dustpan bucket. Yeah. Yeah. You never saw that video? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Have you guys never seen about? Red so Asphalt? We, in yeah, in Driver's we... Ed, they had, it was a movie, and it's literally called Red Asphalt, and it's visceral cleanup detail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If the guys yeah. that go out to. Basically, it's scare tactics. To, it's, yeah. 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 It's like, imagine if to get your driver's license. It's like Dare showing you a bunch of crackheads. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's that, right. but for car accidents. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. But that's people like a, who didn't wear their seatbelt and that like got ejected from a vehicle yeah. and left a twenty foot red skid mark. It's the yeah. dude like scooping that off the road. Yeah. And then so when you're, and what he's referring to is that if you watched that you received a gold star. Right. So, so which harkens back to, to like in kindergarten, if you colored within the lines, you got a gold star. Okay. I, I get that, but I didn't understand like the, the tie between the two of why that's a gold star. Because yeah, you were able to watch the terrible, terrible yeah. things. So I you, never actually heard that either. Like, so you watched I didn't Mom's know, World and you I didn't know. Gold star. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, I was like, where I was going is I was going to be like, World Star! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I was like, we should, we, it's it's used in, I've heard it used in a lot of like true crime documentary stuff. Like, hey, it's going to oh, get yes, real man. from here on out. So if you're going to be uncomfortable with real, you should check out now. And I, I generally don't like world saying star. trigger warning. So like, that's why I was like, like, what do we do in the 40K universe? Viewer we're discretion. Talk about Viewer real, discretion. So. Is <laughs> this is, Warning. Parental this is, discretion <laughs> advised. We're going to yeah. say fuck a lot. Audio <laughs> discretion. You get, you get a purity seal if you, if you <laughs> sit through this. Yeah, there, there you go. Hey, yeah, there you go. There this you is go. a purity. That's a good one. From this here on out. Seal. <laughs> from here on out, the episode's going to be a bit purity sealy. There you go. Yeah, so uh, gene stealers are a horror monster in pretty much every sense of the word. Their design and function falls deep into a mix of Cronenberg and H.R. Geiger, Geiger, Geiger. Geiger styles and ideas of body horror down to the weird dash of psychosexualism that comes from that original design of the xenomorph. If you guys haven't seen original, yeah, or species. If you haven't seen the original sketches that Giger did that led to the Xenomorph, like, and, and even, or seen interviews with him, the guy had a weird, like, horrid fascination with, with human sexuality. Like, it literally horrified him in a way, which is why he painted the way he painted. And that um, explains a lot, because a lot yeah, of those, a lot of his work either weird. looks like a penis. Or a vagina. Or mm, a right. vagina. Or, or both, or that going or, into a girl's mouth, right? Or things going into or into mouths, mouth, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. it's all very like either yeah. sexual or very, it's yeah. you know, it's reproductive. very R word. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's very, definitely borderline yeah. that. Yeah, very and, and, <laughs> and yeah, to 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 not not to mince words any anymore. I'll, I'll, the the xenomorph in the Alien franchise is an allegory for rape. And the reason that it infects a male and a male is the victim was because they were the, the guys that wrote it and that made it were trying to make a very clear point about how awful it was. Gene stealers are built on that same body horror idea. They're cool. They're neat. They're a great monster, but they are based on absolute fucking horror. They're not literal really. Fucking. I was gonna say hand fucking. <laughs> literal yeah. fucking, fucking horror. Fucking slash fucking horror. horror. They're not meant to no, be no, something the, that we I, like. Oh, that's the whole word. It's hyphenated. It's, it's like one word. It's hyphenated. fucking <laughs> horror. It's hyphenated. Fucking horror. Yeah. It's like it's like action horror, but fucking horror. Yeah, <laughs> um, fucking horror. But but like, be be 
realistic when we look at to be realistic when we look at monsters like this the thing that makes the monster horrible is not something that we should really venerate i think gene stealers are very very neat and i think they're cool and i love playing them on the table and i think the ideas of gene stealer cults are awesome awesome horror and horror they are successfully ideas. horrifying yeah but i am not saying that that is a lifestyle or anything that i personally would ever subscribe to or follow it's yeah, I think monster, that goes unsaid. It's horror. Yeah, it's just we're yeah. we're laying it out. We're not, you yeah, know, <laughs> not to tip that's true. Around I it. mean, you know, for some yeah. people, you know, they they'd be like, "Oh my god, Ryan likes grapey stuff." That's <laughs> true. Oh man, you're so, such a fan of that grape flavor. I know. Gene <laughs> right Steelers spread grape soda. Gene Steelers spread into the Imperium in two different ways. Tens of thousands of them might have infested and taken over an entire space hulk eating and converting and infesting anything that they've come into contact with. Oftentimes, these infestations are not just limited to gene stealers, but mix in a lot of the other spy craft or vanguard species the Tyranids have, such as, Mark, you brought it up earlier, the Lictor. Several brood lords might be spread or present throughout a single drifting hulk and even variant gene stealers that are not based on human stock. A space hulk like this drifting into a system can spell doom for an entire sector. When these released hordes of gene stealers descend in mass on worlds to wipe them clean, even without the help of a hive fleet, their numbers yeah. just keep growing. Yeah, think of like the the little tendrils or spores that they that the Tyranids just shotgun blast out into the galaxy, and whatever yeah. they hit, they hit. And if yep. uh, whatever they hit decides to scream bloody murder like a dinner bell, the, that's the direction they go. Yep. I always kind of thought of it kind of like the, they're essentially like loaded onto boarding torpedoes and just blasted. And just start blasting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what happens a lot of times, the reason that the Imperium reacts to Space Hulks the way they do is that because this has been a problem in the past. And like, mm -hmm. in general, this is not the Gene Stealer cult. We're gonna no, get we're no, getting into is, them as it, from from here yeah. forward. But up yeah, to this, this is the point, initial these phases are just, of Gene Stealer cult, right? Or or there's just so many fucking Gene Stealers that have built up a population on the Space Hulk that they don't need to make a cult. They just kill everything. They 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 skip they skip straight to go and collect their two hundred dollars. They're not playing the yeah, rest right. of Monopoly. Yeah, usually the <laughs> there's just too the many lesser, of them. It's over. Yeah, the lesser amount of Tyranid or Gene Stealer like presence, the more they're going to go into hiding and infiltration. Yep. Where if there's more of them, they're just going to collect whatever biomass and crap that they want, and then they're going to find a way to spread out even more or take out whatever decides to come on their ship because exactly. it's their ship now. So, however, yeah, the only more they in... get to come on their ship. Yeah, <laughs> only one coming here is me. <laughs> however, the more insidious method is that of a single gene stealer stowed away on a transport ship which can spread like a virus throughout space lanes spelling a slow decline and ever approaching doom of a hive fleet to an entire sector these solitary infiltrators are cunning utilizing stealth and murder to secure their base of operations once they arrive on a planet with a sufficiently large and developed population from this secret layer in the space of just a few years, the creature will begin to abduct hundreds of civilians. 
inserting tyrannid genetic code into the victim in order to infect and enslave them to its will. These infected civilians give birth to vile hybrids of human and xenos form, with the first generation being unmistakably alien. However, with the next few generations, those born get closer to passing as humans, able to further spread the corruption of the cult throughout society. Specialized hybrids are born as the cult expands, which are better used to spread the cult's influence. Why is the gene stealer so angry? He's not angry. He just wants to fuck a lot. Like a <laughs> rabbit. But I thought it was because he had all them genes and no belt. Oh, <laughs> womp, womp. Marky, hit the thing. Hit the I, thing. He did a womp womp. <laughs> Tom, Tom's right there. He's got it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I literally thought joke. of that today <laughs> as, I, as I was putting on my belt. I was like, <gasps> you're like, genius to the joke. Got, got to have a belt to make. Is that what you were talking about all day today about yeah, the joke? That was, that was wow. The joke. That was this joke. Wow. How anticlimactic. I know. I, I said it wasn't good. It's funny, but it's not good. You, you hit it. You hit, the, you hit it pretty, pretty good though. Yeah. It was, uh, snug it in there. So eventually as a population grows large enough, be it months or even years, the cult will stop acting in the shadows and openly march on the war on a war path to war. This triggers the first gene stealer, the stowaway, now a patriarch of the cult, to call all his followers to rise up. This normally triggers blood planet, bloody planet-wide civil wars, but in some cases, several planets may have already become infected by a single patriarch, meaning an entire system might go on a warpath to drag down subsectors. The cults act with coordination of a single mind, the brood mind being the will of the patriarch, striking at vital communication and power systems, cutting off a planet or a system, uh, cutting off the planet or system's ability to even call for help. As this is happening, the patriarch will send out a signal in the warp, a beacon to the nearby hive fleets, singling that a planet is ripe with biomass and ready for harvest. While the cultists, abominations, and other generations are just so much biomass for the Tyranids to consume, the Pierstein gene stealers can then spread to new worlds that will fall in the same way. They head out. They can head out alone or in small groups, each more than capable of becoming a new patriarch on his own. This, this goes into that spore reference you made earlier. You know, when you when you hit a spore, it just spreads all the little spores everywhere else. Sure, you've destroyed that spore, but now there's going to be like fucking twenty mushrooms tomorrow, man. And it's just going to start sporing everywhere. Just coming. Sporing everywhere. Sporing into my sinuses. Jesus Jeans. Christ, spore me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I really need the soundboard. Wah, <laughs> <laughs> really need the soundboard right now. <laughs> gene stealers are inhumanly patient and can wait years sustaining themselves on very little while they look for their perfect lair. These are the darkest, most hidden, and twisted maze, either on the outskirts of a populated city or deep in the underhive, or even the sumps of some, some, of some hive worlds. Only when they feel perfectly secure will they venture out stalking and lurking after potential victims, ambushing, ambushing those that live on the fringes or in the dregs of society, taking them in very brutal, rapid assaults. However, unlike most Tyranids, a swift and violent death is not this victim's fate. 
Using their hypnotic gaze, the single gene stealer will hold its victim cap- captive before impregnating them with a portion of their own genetic material. So this is delivered with the use of an ovipositor, and this process is known, Marky, as the... The gene stealer's besito. <laughs> the gene stealer kiss. Their ovipositor is a... So, as an aside... An ovipositor is a tubular libbed, ribbed organ which a female insect or fish uses to deposit their eggs into a victim. In the case of the gene stealer, the ovipositor is generally their tongue, this, and it is developed into a whip-like muscle that is often tipped with a, like a spike or a claw, and this is thrust into the victim's skin. So it doesn't half in it this thing is not french kissing you with its razor teeth it's you know it grabs you and it could just shove its tongue into your neck or your chest or your back since it doesn't all it's really re- matter your ass they're not really injecting eggs into into people they're no, injecting genetic material ge- genetic yeah. dna in yeah, a way so really it just has to to get you it doesn't it, really matter it where. just has to get right. under your skin yeah, yeah it's yeah, not the, like you know face huggers that it's like a it's specific like puts it process in you, yeah yeah that it's like delivering eggs into your stomach and then, you know, a little alien collects your genetic DNA and pops out and then it kind of looks yeah. like you. But there's it's no... It's not like... There's nothing aside from, like, the same intent of cold-blooded murder in this act. The gene stealer is literally just shoving its blade into your body and leaving its DNA. That's it. It, it, it doesn't... Death. Is there any lore really that care. discusses, um, like, how long the process takes? Or if kind it's like, it, it's it's hazy, but it it it's de- it's hazy and defined. So the gene virus spreads throughout the victim, who is who is by now in a deep state of unconsciousness or coma, and alters their DNA and their mind. The mind altering. Okay, so the, forces, think of it like Spider Man, like the yeah. Tobey Maguire Spider Man, where he yeah. like got bit, and then like the next morning he was like, "What the fuck?" It's like yeah. I got muscles. This dude's like, "Yeah, I, I really want to fuck a lot." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it, but it does, it knocks you unconscious and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah. it's not like it could just like, hmm. you fucked. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. But, but they, they, there's a lot of things that the gene stealer kind of shares with a, a modern, not a modern, but a contemporary horror monster that isn't the xenomorph. They share a lot with vampires. Vampires are also mm-hmm. incredibly invasive in the way they act. They're essentially taking something from you without your permission. The patriarch aspect. The patriarch aspect. The hypnotizing aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, if a gene stealer, so a gene stealer ambushes you and then looks into your eyes. And upon looking into its eyes, you're hypnotized. You are, you are fucking stuck. And you'll just, you kind of turn into a meat puppet and then it fucking jabs you with its DNA tongue. And then all of that shit alters your mind. DNA tongue. And it, and it builds. It builds in your, as it's altering your DNA, it's building into your mind that the gene stealer is a Masonic figure. This is the first step of this like religion, this Mm -hmm. um, obsessive religion that the gene stealer cults use. The entire process here to answer your question usually takes just a couple of solar hours or a few solar hours. It's, it's, they don't, they don't say it takes two. They don't say it takes five. They say it takes a few, <laughs> which to me means so anywhere between two and five. Night, if they get you the at next night morning, by morning, you're screwed. Yep. 
Um, now, if I cut off my arm, and it does, it have to essentially stay attached to you the whole time. No, no, no. no? Okay, nope. so, so it even, probably has to just get like one good bite on you. So, so let's say it bites my foot. Uh huh. I lop my leg off. Well, it's not. It, you're not. You're you thinking, could be saved. You're thinking of a zombie, though. You're thinking of like I watched it happen, and I can act on compulsion. This is more like Dracula. Dracula has yeah. you in his eyesight. Oh yeah, you're already but, unconscious. But say Marky's being eaten on by a gene stealer, and Kevin lops and I my walk, leg off, and I walk around a corner. I'm like, "You son of a bitch, get <laughs> off my friend!" <laughs> Blam! And then I chop his leg off. Shotguns my leg off. And then it's over. And then it's over. Gene stealer wiped out. Entire planet saved. Yeah, in theory, I suppose that could work. Yeah, yeah, if you got it, if you got it fast enough, because it does I was sound saved like by it's, my cousin Jab. <laughs> it sounds like it. It does follow <laughs> biological law of like virus yeah, rewriting yeah. Well, DNA, I mean, yeah, which exactly. would depending on where it got you in relations to your blood vessels and everything, yeah, yeah. would take some time to spread. It does. So. It does take some time to spread. So, I mean, if, if it had been 20, 30 minutes, you'd probably, it would have yeah, spread too far however, by that point. However, but. this might change your mind. No matter how violent the abduction and subsequent penetration is, the victim always wakes back up without a mark and is completely whole. So even if you do struggle and it does like, say it shoots into your neck and like you have enough wherewithal to like pull away and it like rips a huge chunk and your jugular starts spurting. You go into a coma, and your body heals because the gene stealer DNA is now in you. And when you wake up, mm. you have no memory that that happened. You have no pain that that happened, and you don't have a mark on you. Yeah, so it would only work in this in- instance that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. that you, However, you watched it happen. That yeah, like somebody found it while it was still while attached it was to doing you. Yeah. yeah, Kevin turns yeah. around the corner, and the patriarch's balls deep in my neck. Yeah, and Kevin's like, <laughs> no. Nah! You're on. You're only on your first glork. It hasn't second glorked you yet. <laughs> so technically, if you are the very first victim, it's not the patriarch yet. And if it's, it's already the stealer. patriarch, yeah, it's still just a gene stealer. And if it's already a patriarch, and Marky, you probably already know this, it already has abominations, which are doing the exact same thing. So, yeah, of course. Oh, so the abominations and, and, spread it the same way? Yes. Every, everything spreads it that, that way. Oh, I thought it was essentially the the Except gene the stealer slash patriarch. Except for Wait. third and fourth generation, which can do it reproductively. Like right. Yeah. Okay, that's what that's what I thought that's, it essentially was for everybody special. after the first gen. Yeah. So as well, soon as you're infected with their DNA, your entire bloodline is doomed for fucking ever. Yeah. 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 That's what I was thinking. Yeah, the one thing that they don't ever allude to is that after you're infected, because obviously if, once you're infected, you get hit with that tongue, you don't have a tongue yourself, right? No. You don't have an ovipositor. Right, you don't have one. You, so you it just go and fuck. Yeah. 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 But so they don't the say, fir- like, you don't have, like, oh, he gets hit with the ovipositor, and now he has the strong urge to fuck. It's like, yeah. now he just goes. Uh, well, yeah, because they're not implied. just going to, yeah, that's something they're not just going to blatantly just say. Yeah, so so these these <laughs> victims. This well, first... they never outright say that Slanesh Space Marines, you know, do, oh do things to people, really? but it's heavily alluded to. 
what they do to people. There is an Emperor's Children space marine in Penitent, Penitent, which is the first Beckwin novel uh, mm-hmm. named Techie, who is fucking creepy as shit. I thought he was a custode at first because of the way that he was like described as being like all oiled up and only wearing a loincloth and like very, very handsome and pretty with golden eyes. Mm-hmm. But then like the longer he talks, the more I'm like, oh, fuck, this is an Emperor's Children. <laughs> And then when he reveals, I'm like, oh, that guy's creepy as fuck. But, like, they never... So, like, in in the Siege of Terra, Mm. they talk about how um, the Emperor's children eventually kind of leave the front lines to go do terrible, terrible things to civilians. pillage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pillage and other things. Yeah. But uh, they never really tell you exactly what they do, but you know. Really? So the lore is really really weird on Space Marines. Most of the official, and this is not a Space Marine episode, most of the official lore states that Space Marines do not have sexual compulsion or sexual organs anymore. So when traded Marines- They don't have wieners. They don't, it's not that they don't have it. It's more that like, it just doesn't. It's just not important to them. It's it just not shriveled important up to and them. Yeah. It's when you have well, I mean, steroids, it shrivels they, up. <laughs> space Marines for all intent and purpose are no longer human and do not sexually reproduce. Like they, they right, the but, changes done to their body make them not what we see as male or female. Yeah. But Slanesh is like Viagra. So. Right. Slanesh is every, it, Slanesh is everything in excess. And I think that that's the thing that a lot of people like miss. Forget. Yeah. yeah. It's everything. Yeah. It's not, and it's, and it's not just excess, but it's also perfection. Not, and yeah. hedonism yeah. is not, I want to fuck everything. The joke of hedonism is I want to fuck everything because everybody do all goes back <laughs> to that idea of like Rome. Yeah. Rome stole because of all of the origin part of origin. But hedonism yeah. is literally like, I am obsessed with finding the perfect color red. I will not do anything in my I will forsake everything else in my life, including my family, my children, my responsibilities, and eating to find the perfect color red. Like that's right. that's what it is. So and 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 that's how myopic it can be. It can be, you know, you know, Jim Bob might be obsessed with red. Susan might be obsessed with the perfect like fur carpet. Um Rebecca might be obsessed with the perfect note, not even a song. Could you say I'm hedonistic note. about my dick and fart jokes? Yes. Yes, wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. you are. You are on a quest to wow. perfect. You guys the dick did not. Joke. Did not. Like <laughs> no, no stop. Just fucking flat in there. Yeah. No like, did we fucking stutter? Wow. Like, but at the same time. Space Marine lore also does suggest that the space wolves do engage in right. some form of sexual play. And it does heavily suggest that the Space Marine traitor legions who specify or not specify, but who have specialities in terrorism use things that terrify humans. And if that is something that terrifies humans, then they're going to use it. Now, does that mean that they're using the thing from seven that the dude makes the dude that Kevin Spacey makes the dude fuck the hooker to death with? My guess is yes, that's probably what it is. It's probably not oh, them yeah. doing it. It's probably them using chain swords to do it or well, whatever. It, it, and it's it's like the descriptions of Slanesh demons doing similar things. Right. They they they're doing, you know, they they describe it as, you know, they're gonna worm you know, in they're gonna use you know, your sexualized pleasure. acts. But they never, yeah. they never state more than that. But then they also talk about all this other terrible stuff they're doing. Right. You know, it's like one little line that it, 
discusses that it involves you know things of an erotic hmm. nature it's and it's like seven lines about how they're flaying the skin while they're doing it's it. very hmm. easy to use sex to push the idea of like lust and like excess it's sex mm-hmm. i mean sex drugs and rock and roll are the the from yeah, a from from a together. western cultural like perspective that is how the last you know, 60 years of rock and roll has been compared to hedonism. So that it's kind of just an mm-hmm. easy rut, which, and that's what happens. You know, Slanish uses Gladstone, Slanish uses Flex, Slanish uses Low, Slanish uses Obscura, Slanish uses Sex. Like that's how it's always like kind of gotten to. Now, Slanish also made Fulgrim paint a painting with blood and feces because he was trying to get the perfect tones. No one really right. likes to talk about the fact that a Primark exactly. painted with poop, but they want to talk about, did the Primark's followers have well, and sex? Then, <laughs> and then didn't somebody else, twinkle. didn't somebody else build a house out of flesh? Yeah. 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 That Slanish yeah. is, yeah. Slanish is fun. Yeah. We'll get there. The house we'll out of flesh. There. Like, see, there's all kinds yeah. of like really see? weird. Purity weird seal stuff. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Purity yeah. seal grade episodes. Was, yeah. Don't break the seal unless you're prepared. So these these first for these victims, <laughs> these first victims of the gene stealer are known as the contagi. Was that Mark? You're gonna have to help me on this. Contagi, contagi, C O N T A G I I. Where I don't know where you're at. Perfect. Uh, page seven. I think we're first. Victims now. bloodline forever. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it's right after that. It's the very next one. These victims are referred to as the Contagi. Contagi. Conta- ah, that would make Contagi. sense because infection. Yeah. Contagi so is pronounced E. Yeah, Contagi. Yeah. It's like it's like Skitari. Uh, so yeah, yeah. But it's so like an are, E. Yeah. So they're referred to as the Contagi, too. which makes sense, or the infected. As soon as the first Contagi is created, the gene stealer becomes the patriarch. So as soon as that first process is achieved that gene stealer becomes the patriarch. So, and it's essentially quick... that mind link exactly. is what yes. triggers the patriarch, patriarch. kind of evolution. It's, it starts the brood. It, it jumpstarts the brood mind. The mini hive mind. Yeah. That's cool. So that it's like it has a, the potential, but it doesn't, it doesn't activate until it actually there, yeah. creates. Yeah, because it can fail as a patriarch. I mean, if it gets caught before it develops before it a hive it, mind, yep. then it's just a failed gene stealer. And that doesn't, yeah. that wouldn't leave the hive mind stealer. anywhere to follow, so right. it doesn't even right. start beaconing until. Yeah, that makes sense. So as a quick aside, gene stealers are technically genderless, hosting the genetic material for both sexes inside their ovipositor. They lack any other reproductive organs, and they reproduce by infecting a host species or by being birthed directly in a hive fleet. So the hive fleet can create them. The, I can't remember what they're called, the the birth mothers or the they've got a name um dominate is it dominatrix that bir- i will get we'll get to when we deep dive into tyranids we'll talk about the organism that births things i think like it the queen norn queens it it's not the norn queen maybe it is the norn queen there's the dominatrix like there's the, the norn queen the one that nobody's like ever seen. Yeah, it's yeah. the brain bug. Yeah, it was the yeah. strain, strain lord or something like that. Yeah, there, there's it, it. It's but it it's more akin to a factory process than a like birth. Um, this like means the alien queen. Yeah, this means that while we look at it from a human perspective, gene stealers don't have to infect humans. Notably, orcoids and Eldari have been infected in the past. 
Also, from a horror movie perspective, we often look at Gene Steelers operating as a lone monster stalking a starship, much like an alien. While this does happen, they are a vanguard of a much larger force, so quite often several will reach a planet at once. And this is getting into what you guys are talking about. So the first gene stealer that makes the first cognate, contagi, excuse me. Contagi. Um, I keep mixing it up with, with cognate. The first contagi becomes the Primarch, but there might be 15, 16 gene stealers all trying to do this at the same time. It's whoever makes the first connection becomes the Patriarch, and then those other gene stealers basically go, oh, we now know who Boss is. Let's go find Boss. I mean, this is, this once again, I mean, and the only reason I keep thinking about this is because Tom brought up the Borg previously, and that's that's also similar to the Borg. The Borg. <laughs> yeah, when <laughs> when a, when a members of the collective were separated, they kind of essentially form their own mini their, collective, their own collective and, the, yeah. and the one to first like process the fact that they are forming a, a second collective is the one that kind of like takes charge becomes the boss. Yeah. So the, the last point we use the term patriarch because the structure of a gene stealer cult follows as the name suggests a cult and the cult of majority for the humans in 40 K is known as the Imperial cult. So whether or not it is easy to talk about, <laughs> a religion only becomes a religion when enough people follow it. It's kind of like that idea of one man's terrorist, another man's freedom fighter, or yep. the winner writes the history. The reason that we look at the major religions as being major religions is because they are followed by a lot of people. And the reason that we look at cults as being cults is because they're followed by not so many people. So mm -hmm. since the figurehead of the imperial cult or the imperial religion is the god emperor and is identified as a male and humans built the references for the framework of the gene stealers, even though gene stealers don't give a shit about sexual identity or even have a concept of sex or any sort of genetic determiner which says what sex they are, the patriarch is the name associated to it by us, by humans in the 40k universe. So effectively, the patriarch becomes a he as far as the way that we discuss the patriarch, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, I always kind of like rolled that around in my head a little bit of, about calling my patriarch a matriarch because of yeah, how totally. the alien and queen, mm -hmm. right. the alien queen is. And I just thought it'd be cool. Like, hey, it's my matriarch. It's my alien queen. You know, have well, you ever thought about- Well, and if the about... society that they fall into, for whatever reason, follows the emperor or goddess, there would be no reason that they wouldn't call her the matriarch. And, mm. the, and the empire, the imperial cult allows for that because at the end of the day, as long as you're within that like 75% hazy range, they're like, eh, whatever. Good oh, enough. You however, however, you Good see, enough. however you see the god emperor essentially, right. right? Right. Well, yeah, it's like how on Fenris they call him the Allfather right. and nobody cares that that's what they call him. It yeah. serves the same purpose. Mm. But in a, lot, in, in a lot of respects, the way that 40K is written is as, as directly as a satire towards like, the Catholic church and oh yeah government just... in general. So that's why a lot of this stuff has these names because the so guys that wrote this shit are poking a... fun at people. <laughs> you should make a, another patriarch, but dress him up as like a priest. 
as a poop, as, a, as either a pope or like a cardinal. <laughs> but it's like a patriarch just wearing a cardinal. Literally, like with a big old head, 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 head fucking robe and with a stick and everything. Well, that would be dope. In the, in the Pope mobile. <laughs> oh my God. But it's still just a gene stealer. Like it it's a gene like stealer, but in a pope hat. In a pope with, hat, a, with a robe in a like Oh, uh, it's so fucking awesome. <laughs> so oh the God. Contagi <laughs> returns to their life as normal. They marry, or maybe just fuck a bunch, and eventually they have kids. Their entire drive at this point becomes to reproduce and have children. These kids are always hybrid offspring. They're hideous and grotesque, misshapen creatures who can be varied in their form. However, they share a lot of gene stealer traits. Big heads, extra arms, needle teeth, the tail stump. They also often sport the traditional coloration of non-hive gene stealers. So these guys, abominations, this first generation, literally have fucking purple and blue skin. Like that the yeah. in general. And they're they're loved like they're actual children. Yep. They're they're not treated like, oh my God, what did I give birth to? It's uh well, yeah. that is my child. That would well, make sense. Well, so the, the partner you the partner you slept with in theory, might have that reaction, but the more you sleep with that partner, and this is this is assumed based on the way that some of the lore fiction is written, the more times mm. you engage in sexual congress with that partner, the more you're spreading the gene stealer's DNA, the right. patriarch's DNA to them. So then they so eventually they'll become part of it. Yeah, I, I was. I essentially thought, I don't think it says that anywhere, but you obviously share genetic material with your significant other when you yeah. engage you know, in engage activities. In re- yep. <laughs> reproductive activities. Uh, the, so, yeah, I yeah, the infect them with that, uh, you know, the gene, the gene stealer yeah. DNA while it's the like patriarch the is going out and doing its thing, know, doing its thing. thing. It's like the T virus in a lot of ways. Like the T virus in the Resident Evil series very much was built as an allegory to AIDS. And AIDS is a genetic, just like the T-virus, is a genetic virus that hops from body to body by swapping fluids. And the patriarch's DNA virus probably works the same way. As soon as you swap fluids with somebody, it starts working on you. Now, that might mean that you have to engage a hundred times for it to happen, but it's heavily right. implied that like in a married, in a marriage situation, the both Idiot. parents are immediately like, oh, my sweet baby boy, even though their neighbors are like, what the fuck is that thing? I mean, Why what the happens, hell is it in your house? That's what happens in real life. And Did then you they get a dog? And then they spit in their mouth, <laughs> and they're like, he's beautiful, right? And they're like, you know what? Yeah, he is kind of cute. What happens in real life anyway when somebody has a really ugly baby? <laughs> Dude, babies are ugly. I'm yeah. sorry to say, it's but great ugly like, potatoes. Dude, like, I, like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you know, you you see your own kids as beautiful and whatnot, but like, babies are ugly. I'm but gonna yeah. make your kids listen to the podcast in like ten years, and they're gonna be like, "Dad, they, my kids didn't see what I saw." So, <laughs> hey man, I love the shit out of my niece. Yeah. When I first saw her, I was like, mm. yeah, was I remember my sister holding her, and she's like, "Oh, my little angel," and I was like, "That baby's ugly." <laughs> <laughs> but I love her to death. Like I don't yeah. care. Like so yeah, you can be ugly. I can still love you. It's cool. <laughs> it so. looks like it's sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> An angry red potato. <laughs> oh. Why is it staring at me like that? <laughs> so these initial okay. God's eyes open yet. It's fine. <laughs> these initial hybrids are collectively known as the first generation. First generation hybrids are also enslaved to the will of the patriarch. 
and they will disappear when they are old enough and hide, often seeking out and joining the patriarch. These hybrids, this first generation, reproduce by abducting, hypnotizing, and ramming their ovipositor into their victims. So same cycle. They disappear, they start ambushing people and dragging them in the same way. These victims will in turn wake up, return to their normal lives, fuck a lot, which feeds into the cycle. However, the victims of the first generation hybrids birth second generation children. These second generation hybrids are stooped and hunched, although not like the infirm or old, more like an animal that's ready to explode into violence at even the slightest movement. They so often then this, this generation essentially fucks each other and then gives birth to No, this generation second. this generation is still ovipositor only. Second generation is still ovipositor only. Really? Yep. First and second generation can only reproduce the same way through that, that ovipositor. Through the ovipositor. So, so then they infect people. Those people give birth to kids, but these kids look more human now. Right. So the second generation out, the 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 people, the the people, the people that, that get are abducted by, by yeah. hybrids, go right. back to their normal life and have second generation children, second generation gene stealer children. These. Yeah, these are hunched and stooped. They look like hunchbacks. They look a little bit more human, but they're still not quite there. They have uh, five to six limbs. They're bald, but their eyes and mouths are much closer to those of their human parents, meaning that they can speak Logothic, although their minds still work extremely in extremely alien ways. They do understand their host race's society and can blend into it. While weird, the Imperium is pretty full of twisted mutants, either through generations of inbreeding or flash cloning or by exposure to weird chemicals and pollutants on several different hive worlds. These strange-looking but resilient and incredibly strong second-generation hybrids will often find work in the most dangerous jobs that appeal to the industrial subcultures that already accept mutants and twists. They are often able to operate crew-manned mining tools alone, making them incredibly valuable. And they're a lot more resilient when it comes to accidents with demolitions. So they'll get hired and hold these mining jobs because they're really fucking good at them. And yeah, they'll look at, at the them end as of the ab humans, essentially, right? Right. Well, yeah. Exactly. I mean, if it's good for profits, don't ask too many questions. One hundred percent. This is also the generation where hypnosis might not be the main tactic to reproduce. So here's where you're getting at, Marky. They can still hypnotize and use their ovipositor, but as mutant brothels exist on many worlds, and humans can often be less than discerning when it comes to their sexual desires, oftentimes in this particular case, the gene stealer kiss might happen during an actual passionate kiss. So in this case... There might be sex, but the sex isn't what's depositing the DNA. It's still the kiss. Make sense? Yeah. These victims just don't necessarily have to be ambushed, <laughs> dragged into the dark. So this cycle repeats in the third generation. The third generation of children being born are even more human with more upright stance, although they are still bald and have ridged head and violet to light blue skin tones, suggesting some form of skin mutation. This generation also can have extra limbs, but in general, they're incredibly easy to hide in clothing. The saboteur is definitely, the saboteur model is definitely a third generation hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, they can fit even more into the host society, albeit mostly still in kind of an outlaw or low lifestyle. 
this generation is also the first generation that like if a third generation and a third generation shack up, they'll have a third, they'll have a fourth generation child. They don't necessarily have to be ovipositored. They don't have to ovipositor. They can have kids normally, but if they're going to have a kid with a non gene stealer hybrid, it's going to be through ovipositor. Essentially. This is the first sustaining generation, self-sustaining sexual generation, essentially. So the fourth generation, and this is kind of where it gets a little bit murky. So the fourth generation are babies born to third generation parents. <laughs> the fourth generation is indistinguishable from humans by physical appearance. Although they might still retain exotic features such as different skin color or exotic eye colors or elongated features. A lot of times the fourth generation, you know, the Magus, uh, Marky, what are the, there's four, four or five of them that are specialized. They uh, all kind Nexos, of have. Uh, Nexos, yeah, all, uh, blah, 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 Biophages, uh, and we'll, all, all of those. We'll dive into them a little bit more deeply in yeah. our next episode, but all of these models and all of the way that the artwork is done they're kind of they're done with that like alien exotic alluring look rather than that alien like what the fuck look yeah like, political officials this, are probably going to be fourth generation stuff like yeah. that however they still possess the expanded intelligence along with their connection to the patriarch obviously making them cunning and manipulative agents and leaders of the cult they also express an above average tendency to psychic potential it's also this generation where a lot of the specialized types start to appear as they are more prone to find themselves, as Marky just mentioned, in the host society's leadership roles or positions of great political power, noble houses, stuff like that. Fourth generation hybrids breed like their host race. So in the case of humans, normal sex. But they do not give birth to untainted offspring. Instead, they give birth to pure strain gene stealers. So mama gives birth to a little tiny gene stealer in all of its yeah, yeah. story. So, so weird. It's an I've always had such a hard time understanding their like process. Generation. Yeah, like I'm like, why? Like you have like the first cross where it's like, oh, monster. Then it's like, oh, people, that monster again fooled well, you. you yeah. know, well, like, so it's, it's, it's like an insect's life cycle, right? So you go through all of these different generational life cycles, but the end is, okay, now we, get, now we need to get back to spreading and making a new hive. So the fourth generation is birthing pure gene, gene stealers, and then the point of those pure genes, gene stealers is they can now spread to other populations either on that same city and become either patriarchs in their own right. But this doesn't always happen. They may just become a pure gene, gene stealer who spreads the patriarch's influence in a different city, but is linked to his control. Cause you got to think like four generations down and they're by, by the point of them, by the point where they're giving birth or the fourth generation are giving birth, that is so far down the line. And they're like, it's like 50 genetic, years. Well, probably it longer because be. it's, it's, well, I mean, well, no, yeah, like 50 years because they're, you know, obviously popping out kids as fast as they can. But essentially that, that person or whatever is born needs to mature to a point where it can start infecting other people. That person right. needs to infect another person and then give birth to something else. And that thing needs to grow up. So four generations down at that point, they're ready to move on to either another, like Ryan was saying, another city or another planet and what better to do that than a pure train, pure strain mm -hmm. gene stealer? Jesus. Yeah. And they want to send them out isn't in as many directions as it's that shotgun method. If we, if we make, 
you know, it's that, it's that idea. We get to a point where we have four or five gene stealer kids and we're going to shoot those four or five gene stealer kids out into the galaxy and hope that they infect another planet. And, and at this point, the reason that I think they make a distinction in lore that this can either become a new patriarch or it can become a gene stealer enslaved to the original patriarch is so you can kind of play around with lore because they talk about, and we'll get into some examples, but there's cases where a patriarch controls an entire system or an entire like four or five battle fleets. One patriarch is, is in control of billions of fucking people because he's spread his influence that way. But you could also just have your little side thing, depending on what you want to do. So say you want to build your lore so they take over a hive city, go nuts. You want to do your lores where they constantly just move to the next planet and keep spreading, which is kind of, I believe, Marky, how you're sort of building your lore, which you'll share with us later. You can do mm -hmm. that too, where the entire cult just, you know, the cult leaves people behind to continue, but a core of the cult just moves on to the next project. But yeah, guys, that'll wrap it up for part one of our coverage on Gene Stealer cults. We will dive into the Patriarch and the Broodmind next episode, looking into how the Patriarch and their Broodmind differ from the Tyranid Broodlords and the hive mind in general. And also Tyranids have, uh, Tyranid Broodlords have Broodminds too, so we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that because all the hive mind, brood mind stuff is, is pretty interesting and we're going to need to kind of dive a little bit more into depth on it. We'll also explore the specialized gene stealer fourth generation roles in more detail and take a look at how the cults move in to undermine their host's society, setting them up to fall like so many dominoes in the chain that leads directly to the great devourer's next buffet table. Buffet. 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 Uh, it's a galactic size smorgasbord. <laughs> Sometimes so... you just get a boofed at Buffet. <laughs> wow. So Gene Steeler, <laughs> God damn it. Now <laughs> I, you don't want to know where my brain went. <laughs> uh, so Gene Stealers, I think, are a great element of horror work directly into the 40K universe, setting out all sorts of story kernels and foundations to tell some really, really spooky dookies. You want to get deep into it? Well, I've got, I've got, once we get on to, I mean, this one was, this episode was more of like a rundown of what they are, how they get yeah. to where they are. I think uh, once we've established that in one of the episodes, um, like I said, I watched something uh, that directly, you know, was Gene Steeler Colt doing these things. And uh, the way that they had their spin on it was actually really cool because it really emphasized the horror aspect of what they do to the warp yeah, and oh, yeah. why they were doing what they were doing, you know, on, on this Gene Steeler cult was doing with this planet. And it's actually really cool because like once, once that part was over, I was like, Oh, okay. They're Gene Steeler, blah, blah, blah. You know, Gene Steeler cult do their thing. Right. Uh, but I had but no lead up to figure it well, out. Well, I, I had no idea that the shadow and the warp did this, you know, and then what they were doing with that shadow and the warp, it was, it was really cool. I'm excited to talk about it. So we'll just, save that for, for next episode. Just out of curiosity, it wasn't a cold open story, was it? So there, there's a, a show. Open. Yeah. So there's a show called cold open stories. that's done by a dude named Colin. Um, it's a, it's a dramatized audio fiction form of Warhammer 40k and they have a oh. 
fucking creepy gene stealer. No, no, story. this was uh, this it's was not the... gene stealer. It's tyranid story. It's uh, Hormigons yeah, taking over. This the was the Angel of Death one. It was the Blood Angels gotcha. uh, video on Warhammer Plus. They gotcha. showed like a tyranid space battle, and then them trying to Ooh. escape. Oh, dude, it was sick. I it was sick. It's, it sounds like it might be worth it to get plus now. You like, there's enough need content. to watch it. You need to watch it. I was, I mean, there's, there's I was holding off on, on getting plus. it until there was enough content that I wouldn't like get rid of it all in a month and right. then be like, well, I've seen it all. I guess I could cancel my subscription. Well, I mean, I'll, just <laughs> give you, I'll just give you my login. but That works. <laughs> Wait, you did not say that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's such a good. I like what they did, and I never even thought about the aspect of their presence in the warp. That's super cool. So there, there's a there's a short story in this other podcast, which if you've got time, I would definitely seek it out because the the production on these short stories and they, they play them out like an audio drama, like an audio book. They get different actors to act out stuff, but basically, um, some hormigons. Get, the, get left on a planet. Uh, no, Hormigons are the bladed guys, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Close yeah. combat. Um, and they're using their chameleon skin uh, because of their hive fleet trait to like blend into areas and they're using their hive mind powers to like blank out parts of the city. So the story is told from an Imperial guardsman who's on like rotation at like guard sections around the city and how he just like wakes up the next morning and so it starts out with like oh yeah my patrol goes down like 35th and you know i round here and i talk to the coffee shop here i always get my morning coffee and blah 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 and then like the next day he does his round like the guy that runs the coffee shop isn't there and then the next day his orders change and they're like okay you know you walk down 33rd to second and then you're going to come up to here and he's like but but it's supposed to be 35th and the administratum officer is like, there is no 35th. There never has been. The city's not that big. And the story progresses like that through like the 20 or 30 minutes oh, because the Tyranids so are murdering everybody inward to the city. And as they're doing it, the like shadow in the warp is making anybody who's warp sensitive fucking forget that the city used to be bigger. And it's that's, just the way it's crazy. written is, is it's fucking freaky. And that's the thing. Like, this is a, you know, we haven't done horror in a bit and we're back to it. And one of the things we're going to talk about after we get through the series is how to creatively write and how to world build in horror, because it's actually difficult. The, the two things that are very difficult to write are horror and comedy. It's, it's relatively easy to write action. It's relatively easy to write romance because a lot of us know how we want to be loved. And a lot of us know how we want to see John Wick kill a room full of people. <laughs> but we don't have a lot of concept of what really freaks us out, and we don't necessarily have a good way of freaking out other people. The exception being Beast. Beast can spin a tail that makes my hair rise, which is fucking oh. amazing. <laughs> and if you're there, if you're at that level, and you got some spooky dookies, especially stuff that deals with gene stealers, get them to us. Get those questions to us. We got a couple different ways that you can interact with us. Email is always good. You can email us directly at under the hive of madness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. But arguably the better thing to do is to get involved in our growing discord community. 
We love to share in your homebrew lore. It's a very, very good way to grab one of us and get some of those lore questions immediately answered. It's also a way to collaborate with us in writing UHM's own lore, plus everything else our Discord has to offer. It's probably uh, the most the easiest way to get a hold of us because usually we're always on there. You can also find us online, both through our website. We also have a link tree set up, which will direct you to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. I always put spellings and direct links down in the show notes to make all of the stuff I'm talking about super easy to find. The last thing that we would like to ask you all to do is help us grow the podcast. A couple of different ways to do that as well. The first way, the easiest way, the cheapest way, <laughs> is to go ahead and like us, subscribe to us, give us ratings and reviews, and share us on your podcast platforms of choice. Our home base is Anchor FM and Spotify, but we have also strived to make ourselves available on Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and several other things. And if we happen to not be on your favorite podcast platform and you just found us, I dropped two emails, hit me up at one of them, let me know where you want to be, and I'll make sure that we get moved over there as well. The other way to help us grow is by joining us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash under the hive of madness. You can help our DIY operation continue, make those wheels spin a little bit better, and get us to our next milestone. All Patreon members get access to a video version of this podcast, which is Got some cool little video elements. I throw up maps and some images based on what we're talking about, as well as you get to you get to hear some of the crosstalk. Um, in this particular episode, something that definitely got cut out is we had a conversation on what voice I was going to use to read passages <laughs> earlier. So you want that little extra to see how we sort of interact with each other? That's where it's at. It's the only way I watch it now. I don't even listen to it any other way now. Awesome. Well, the amount and the amount you get too. I mean, like when I'm painting something and stuff, like that's what's it's more, you know, it's more, it's more connected. It's, uh, I don't know, I just think it's the best way to listen. Yeah. Um, speaking of painting, while you're listening to us, if you are part of our Patreon at our lowest tier, which is $3 a month, you have the option to register and enter into our painting contest. We hold a painting contest four times a year and you can win a pretty nifty trophy. I am also, we are also, always writing and i say i because i'm the one who does the primary art but we are always writing stuff and i am always working on some artwork so we can get you guys out some extra resources at the higher patreon levels including if you're interested in some under the hive of madness or jim dark gaming objective markers you can get the high resolution artwork from us through patreon and take it to your favorite printer hell you could even print it massively and put it on your wall i don't care what you do with it i made the art and gave it to you if you follow us on patreon the bones are piling up between lavinia and mastodon as they eat as many of these spicy scorpion hot wings as they can i don't know i think the belt might actually go to the much smaller lavinia something about that drummer she just not only is she the best drummer in the hive, she might be the best at eating drumsticks in the hive. I, what do you guys think? Do you think this is going to go her way, or do you think Macedon's going to pull ahead? I don't know. This ain't much compared to Dimecaron wings. I don't know where she's putting it. <laughs> I do. It's always the smallest ones. I know where. I know where I'm going to put it. Yeah, you beat me too. Yeah, me too. You guys keep saying that. They're not going to invite us back to host these events. <laughs> when you are looking well, for well, who the, else are they going to uh, get? 
don't That's think true. anybody else down here knows how to broadcast. <laughs> right? Fucking me too, my man. <laughs> when you're on the hunt for the high to, for the spiciest barbecue dimacarion wings, come on down to Bob's Barbecue Basket on sublevel 351. As always, we have been the boys at 665.66 UHMR Chemrat Radio bidding you a fantastic fifth shift. I think it's fifth shift anyway. I feel like fourth is over. Catch us us next time. Same Vox wavelength, same ratty attitude. It's almost as if we each have a four-armed emperor inside of us. Controlling that beast, that dark side, is what's always fascinated me. I just have one very large armed emperor. Yeah. All I know is that if beast starts trying to sleep with me, I know something's up. <laughs> Three motherfuckers. Yes. Penetration. 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 <laughs>